Thank you so much for having me along um, this evening to share um, about IJM and about God's heart for justice. Um, as Dave has already said, um, this day marks in the IJM calendar Freedom Sunday. It's not just by accident that I'm here um, tonight. This is something that is happening all over the world. God's people are gathering to think about justice, to think about freedom, um, and to learn more about what God's people are doing through IJM around the world. Around the world um, on this date, more than 5,000 churches have committed to dedicate their service in some way to this work. And these churches are meeting in almost 50 countries around the world. Um, and it's great to know that so many churches within the UK and within Northern Ireland are part of that as well. This is actually my second um, Freedom Sunday um, talk today. I was at another church this morning um, in Coleraine sharing a little bit about this work. Um, and I tell you that because I want to talk about what it means to feel like we've been wronged or to feel like we have come across an unfairness or perhaps even an injustice. It's probably something that we've said to ourselves um, from time to time, that's so unfair um, or that is so unjust. And this morning as I was driving to this church in Coleraine, I thought that I had left with plenty of time. I thought that I had left my house knowing exactly how long it would take me to get to the church so that I had time to set up, so that I had time to make sure that there was no problems with the technology. But I forgot that the Belfast Half Marathon was happening today. And so the journey that normally takes me about five minutes to get from our office in East Belfast to the motorway usually takes about five minutes. With the road closures and with the diversions and with the diversion signs not quite being the way they should be, it actually took me 40 minutes to get from East Belfast to the M2. How frustrating how unfair, how unjust. Is that really an injustice? Probably not. Um, it's quite trivial in the grand scheme of things, but sometimes we use this word um, for things that are trivial. Whenever IJM talks about justice and whenever we talk about injustice, we talk about things that are more than just trivial occurrences. We talk about um, issues and experiences in the lives of people that are terrible and that are dark where families are suffering and where children are facing really dark circumstances. Whenever we talk about injustice, we think about the 40 million, great, we think about the 40 million slaves in our world today. That is a massive number. It is huge. It can seem quite overwhelming. It's actually more than any other time in history. And what is particularly awful about that statistic is that one in four are said to be children. Children who should be in schools and in playgrounds and in families where they are safe are instead in brick kilns and on boats and sometimes even in brothels. Whenever we think of injustice, we think of the family who's waking up in a brick kiln, knowing that they have to work many hours, doing a terribly hard job with no money, because they trusted the wrong person and took a loan that they could never pay back. Whenever we talk about injustice, we think of the young girl who has to spend another night with a man because she trusted the wrong person and thought that she was getting a good job in the city. And whenever we think of injustice, we think of the young boys on the lake in Ghana who have to wake up in the early hours of the morning every day to go and do a dangerous job of fishing on the lake because their families trusted the wrong person when they said they could help get their family out of injustice and out of poverty. 
This is what injustice in our world looks like. It is dark, um, it is big, and it is overwhelming. And I want to share the story of one of these young boys who we have met. He was from Ghana and his name is Foley. Foley grew up in a poor family. His father died before he was born, so he never met him. And so he lived with his mother and with his siblings. Their family struggled, and so Foley went to live with his grandparents. And his grandfather loved him very, very much. He worked hard so that he was able to provide for his grandson, so that he was able to get the food that he needed, so that he was able to go to school, and so that he was able to have a childhood. But Foley's grandfather knew that he was getting old and that he wouldn't always be there to look after his grandson. And he knew that there would come a day where perhaps the life that he had been able to provide for Foley would no longer be able to be as comfortable or as safe as what it was. And sadly, that day came sooner than it should have been because Foley's grandfather was in an accident and became injured. And so he was no longer able to go to work. He was no longer able to make money to provide for his grandson. And so Foley began to struggle. But one day, a rich relative came to their village and he heard of the plight of Foley's family. And he came to his grandparents and he said, I've heard that you haven't been able to go to work. I can see that you're struggling. I can see that the boy is suffering. How about he comes and works for me? I have a good boat on the lake and I have many other young boys that come and live with me. There's a school that they can go to some days. There's a great place where they can play football when they have free time. And some days, maybe just at the weekends, they can come and fish with me. I'll teach them how to fish. I'll teach them how to swim. And any money that they make, I'll send back. And then that can help you provide for the rest of your family. That sounded like a great idea. It sounded like a great solution to help out Foley's family. And so his grandfather said yes. And Foley went with this relative to the lake. And when he arrived, he realized that it had all been a lie because there was no school and there was no place to play, but there were plenty of boats. And every day at 1 a.m., Foley had to wake up to go to the boats, to sail out into this lake, to cast the nets. This lake is the world's largest man-made lake, which means where there was once a lot of thriving um, plants and trees and all sorts of wildlife, it was then flooded and so underneath the waters of this lake, there are many dead trees and branches. And if you've seen some of our videos about this work in Ghana, you may have seen that. And so whenever Foley and other boys cast these nets into the water, sometimes they get tangled and sometimes the nets get damaged. And so the boatmasters, the slave owners, would then ask the boys, command them and demand of them to dive down and untangle these nets. Some of these boys don't know how to swim. And so it's not only dangerous work, but at times can be fatal work as well. One day, Foley's grandfather traveled to the lake in the hopes that he would be able to bring him home because he had got to a point where he could work again. But the slave owner said to Foley's grandfather, he can't go with you. He works for me now, he belongs here, and sent Foley's grandfather back. Foley is one of thousands of young boys who live and work as slaves on this lake. It is difficult work, it is hard work, and it is devastating. Whenever we hear these stories, um, it moves something within us. We know that it's wrong. We know that it's unfair. But like the 40 million statistic, it can also seem overwhelming. This is what injustice looks like in our world. 
And I want to read some passages of the Bible that touch on justice, because this is something that not only is important to us, but something that is deeply, deeply important to God. Within the Old Testament alone, the word justice appears over 400 times, but also the word righteousness appears almost 150 times within the Old Testament. These words are deeply linked um, and appear together um, many, many times throughout the Bible. And justice and righteousness isn't just something that is important in the Old Testament, it also features in the New Testament a lot. Um, in Matthew 5, in the Sermon of the Mount, whenever Jesus is proclaiming what his mission is, whenever he's making himself known to his followers, he has this verse, and I've got it in the NIV and the NLT for a reason. The first one says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled with joy. In the NLT, it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And it's not a mistake that those verses use different words. In fact, it shows that these words in the Bible can um, be linked and sometimes mean or refer to the same thing. And within the Old Testament, we read again and again of justice and righteousness coming together. Um, Timothy Keller, who's an American um, church leader and writer, um, simply puts that justice is to put things right. It's to make sure that what was once wrong has been made right. Whereas righteousness is to make sure that that wrong can never happen again. I really love that um, description and that breakdown because it puts something that can be quite difficult into a really simple language. We want to make sure that the wrong is righted and we want to make sure that the wrong never happens again. In the Old Testament, we also read these passages. Oh, wrong way. Great. Um, in Amos 5, 21, we read this call of God. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. And here we see these two words appear again, justice like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. Like many of the prophets in the Old Testament, Amos is bringing this call to the people of God. They're going through the motions. They're just paying lip service. They're doing all the things to look the part, but they're not doing what God has called them to do. God wants his people to live justly and to show righteousness. He wants them to look out for those who are marginalized and vulnerable and suffering. He would rather they didn't do any of those offerings and sacrifices and festivals and that they would live justly and live in righteousness. The passage um, that Dave read earlier in Isaiah shows us what um, it looks like to have justice flowing like a river and righteousness like a stream. Again, in this um, passage, God is saying to his people that their, their sacrifices are empty and that their festivals mean nothing to him. He says, is this not the fasting that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear God. Again, in this passage, we see this call of God of not just to go through the motions, but to actually do something, to do justice. 
There's another um, theologian in America, his name is Nicholas Wolterstorff, um, which I thought was quite a significant and magnificent name. Um, and he breaks down these different um, people groups within the Bible and he calls them the quartet of the vulnerable. Of course, God loves and cares for everyone. But when we read these justice passages, there's particular groups that God continually highlights. And he calls those the quartet of the vulnerable. And they include widows and orphans and immigrants and poor. It's not that God loves them more than everyone else. It's that he realizes that whenever injustice and exploitation and suffering occurs, they are always the four that seem to suffer the most. The widows, the orphans, the immigrants, and the poor of society. And God calls us as his people to care, to do justice, um, to thirst and hunger after it. So with that in mind, I want to go back to Foley and his story. Um, we left him working um, on the lake, doing a horrific job many hours of the day. But of course, um, we're able to tell his story because we know how it ends. Whenever Foley's grandfather went back to his village and told the story of how he wasn't able to bring his grandson home, other people heard this. And so they were able to connect him to the work of IJM. International Justice Mission had just opened an office within um, Ghana to deal with this very issue. And so he was able to work alongside them to tell of what he knew of the slave owner, of the man who had taken his grandson, and of what he had seen on the lake. And so with help with the local police, IJM was able to carry out their very first rescue operation on the lake. They were able to sort out boats so that they were able to travel however long it took on the waters to find these boys. And they were able to find them. They were able to rescue them and they were able to bring them back onto dry ground. What was incredible is that many boys were rescued and they were able to very quickly um, be restored to their families. They were brought to places where they could heal, where they could get medical attention and counselling, and where they were able to be enrolled in good schools so that they could flourish and thrive and heal. IJM works in partnership with the local authorities wherever they are. They work with the police and the, the social workers and the judges and the court systems. But we also work alongside the local church. And it's so exciting to hear stories come through from our field offices of the local church rising up and being part of this. Foley is one of thousands of children around the world that IJM have been able to help. And because of stories like his, he is now one of millions of people around the world that are protected from these forms of injustices. Because we rescue individuals from forms of injustice and slavery, and also because we as an organization fight to make sure that justice is brought within the court systems, communities are able to be protected. Individuals and families that were once vulnerable are able to now live safely knowing that they will no longer be vulnerable to these crimes. And we have seen this happen in significant ways. A number of years ago, our team in the Philippines carried out an extensive piece of research. Um, this um, screen kind of shows what it looked like, but essentially what it shows is that over the course um, of 10 years or so working in the Philippines, rescuing girls who had been trafficked, making sure that their slave owners were brought to justice, we were able to see um, around 80% reduction of girls available within that form of slavery. For us, that was miraculous. We had hoped for 20% and God showed up in a big way and gave us 80%. And because of that, we've been able to trust the local authorities to continue that work themselves. 
we are able to see sustainable change and knowing that justice is possible. And a lot of these stories that I have told and these facts and figures can seem overwhelming. It's great to hear of stories like Foley. It's great to hear of case studies like this in the Philippines. But what can we do? What realistically can we do to make a difference? And what I can say is that we can do a lot. We can pray and we can raise awareness and we can give. And I love what Dave said um, as he came to pray about how sometimes we think that all we can do is pray. And the fact that our prayers are defined by God, that he is the one who defines the effectiveness of our prayers, that he is the one um, that puts power behind what we ask of him. I want to share um, very quickly of this story, the feeding of the 5,000. It's a story that may be familiar um, to some of you um, or all of you. Um, Jesus is speaking to a huge group of people. They've been following him all day. And suddenly his disciples realize that we have thousands of people and they're hungry and we've nothing to give them to eat. This could be a disaster. This could be chaos. What should we do? And so they go to Jesus and say, we've no food to feed these people. We need to send them back to the surrounding villages and towns. And Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. Sometimes whenever we look at the overwhelming issues in our world, we can go straight to God and say, you need to fix this, you need to step in. But often God comes back to us and say, will you be the one to fix it? You be the one to step up. I'm gonna use you. And the disciples, when they heard that, again, they came back to Jesus and said, but all we have are these five loaves of bread and these two fish, it's impossible. And we all know how the story ends. Jesus takes the little that was given, the little that was sacrificed, and he turns it into more than enough. And so when we bring things to God in faith, he can do great things through that. Whenever we bring um, our offerings, our prayers, our support um, to this work, we know that God can turn it into a big thing that together um, we can be part of ending slavery for good. Ways in which you can get involved is that you can become a freedom partner. You can support our work in a practical way. Around the world, slave owners and traffickers are profiting off the lives of others, of those who are vulnerable. This is a massive multi-million, multi-billion dollar industry. And so we know that in order to fight this, we need a lot. And so I would encourage you and, and um, ask you to consider becoming a freedom partner and supporting us in that way. And then also you can pray for our work. And I know as a church, that is something that you have been faithful in doing over the past number of months. If you would like to commit to pray for us personally, um, there are prayer cards sitting out on the chairs that you can fill in and you can be added to our mailing list so that you can be kept up to date with stories as they happen. The stories that um, we were praying for this evening that Dave had shared are things that have just happened. We can give thanks and we can pray into pressing needs as they occur. Just before I finish, I want to show a short video. As I said at the start, Freedom Sunday is happening all over the world in many different places in over 50 countries, one of which is Ghana. And I know that Foundation Church has a particular interest in our work in Ghana. And next month, Dave will be traveling out to visit that work and to meet um, some of our staff who are working there. And earlier this week, churches in Ghana gathered together and joined together to raise awareness about the work of IJM and to unify in a way to mark the issue of slavery within their community. 
these churches came to mark Freedom Sunday. And they've made a short video to show what that looked like. It's pretty special um, and it's, it's pretty incredible to see what that looks like for churches and for communities who witness this injustice in their, in their communities and sometimes even within their families and how they've decided to make a stand against that. Within the video, you'll also notice an older man um, with a grey beard. That man is Foley's grandfather. Um, and it is so incredible to see, not only has he benefited from the work of IJM, not only has he been able to have his grandson return to him, not only has he experienced the work of justice in his life, but he's been able to use that experience to then help bring freedom to others. In the book of Galatians, um, in chapter five, we read very simply that it's because of freedom that Christ has set us free. Free people, free people. Foley's grandfather has been able to use the freedom that his family has experienced to help bring freedom and to speak life into the lives of others. Um, so I'll just play this short video. That's pretty powerful. Um, for me, as a, as a staff member of IJM, who has been part of the IJM family for as long as the um, office in Ghana has been open. It's incredible to see this footage coming through, not only of rescues, but of the church taking a stand. I find it incredible and I find it deeply, deeply significant that the global church is uniting um, to end slavery, not only in places far away, but in places that are so close to them. Those churches in Ghana are very much on the front lines of that work. They see the injustice. They maybe experience it within their own families. But likewise, we here in Belfast are on the front lines. The prayers that we bring before God and that the support that we offer and the awareness that we raise helps fuel that mission in a really significant way. And so be encouraged that what you guys do here in Foundation Church is as much a part of that story as what is happening on the shores of Lake Volter. I hope that this has been a time of encouragement, um, but also of challenge to really get behind this work and to support it. Um, as you read through verses in the Bible that talk about injustice, think of our work. As we read about those vulnerable people in the Bible, think of what is happening in our world today. And as God calls us to act justly, um, please do remember our workers around the world who are doing that every day. I'm just going to pray and then I'll hand back. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care so deeply about justice. Father, I thank you that as we read through your word, we see time and time again that you call your people into action to be part of the solution in helping those who are suffering. Father, help us as we understand what that means in each of our lives, what it means to act justly and what it means to show righteousness to those around us. Father, I thank you for Freedom Sunday that so many of your people around the world are gathering to think about these issues and are gathering to pray into this work. Father, be with those who work for IJM in these field offices, for the investigators and the social workers and the lawyers. Father, protect them, keep them safe as they do this dangerous work. Father, I pray for those children who are suffering on the lake, those children who haven't been found yet. Father, I pray that you will guide rescuers to them, that they will find freedom. And Father, I thank you for the news of rescue that we hear, for children like Foley, who have now been restored to their families and to their childhood. Protect them and strengthen them, and strengthen the church in Ghana as well, 
encourage them and bless them for the way that they have marked this significant day. Father, protect them um, as they go forward from this after making such a bold statement in their community that they want to stand up against slavery. Father, I pray that you'll protect them so that those who perhaps were involved in these forms of slavery and trafficking um, will see what they have done and realize that their community is taking a stand in a big way. So Father, I pray um, that you will help us as we think more deeply about justice and that you will show us how we should respond and move us into action. Amen.